The federal government's final universities accord report has been termed a blueprint for education reform over the next decade. The report highlights a vision towards a more equitable higher education sector proposing changes to increase fairness and accessibility for all. Its 47 recommendations address funding, governance, financial support for placement and student fees, along with increasing student attainment to 80% of Australians in the workforce by 2050. The report recommends boosting students from disadvantaged backgrounds. This is the biggest review of the sector since 2008. The Wires' Emma Worsk spoke to pro-vice-chancellor at Western Sydney University, Professor Andy Marks. This is the first real attempt we've had at university reform in over a decade. The Whitlam reforms of the 70s and the Dawkins reforms of the 80s and 90s are perhaps comparable. Of course, government's yet to adopt any of the recommendations, so it's still a report. It suggests that we need to think about higher education beyond the realms of university gates and think about it as something for society more broadly. What did the report uh, reveal about the link between higher education, Australia's evolving industry and economic health. Professor Mary O'Kane, the chair of the report, put it really well at the launch when she said, this is about the kind of society we want to be. Education is the biggest agent for transformation, for social uplift, for economic uplift. If we look at the reforms just as university reforms, then that payoff won't happen. For those that are thinking purely through an economic lens, the report's recommending a very drastic uplift in the number of qualified people in Australia by 2050. They're targeting an interesting group to get that to happen. What were some of the biggest gaps that were made evident in that review, do you think? What we saw in the review was a calling out of the fact that it's a quite an inequitable system we have in higher education, particularly university education. Separate from the report, through our own analysis, we've seen equity groups, people who are from low income brackets and women and Indigenous Australians are faring the worst within our university system. Access for people to university from poorer backgrounds at the big universities, the ones that are registering the big profits, that's declined in the last five years. So less people from disadvantaged backgrounds are making it into the system. The reform was proposed is an absolute about face of that. With equity and social cohesion a focus, what are some of the main recommendations in the report that speak to this? Some of the boldest targets are around uh, lifting the participation of people from rural backgrounds, from low socioeconomic backgrounds, whereas they're currently the subject of some bespoke university programs. Those programs aren't working. The figures of those people at uni are going backwards. This report creates very significant incentives to bring people that are otherwise marginalised into higher education or at least give them the opportunity. It's very hard for universities, the larger ones, to justify that exclusion when they're registering some very significant profits upwards of the billions. It's one thing to get more people into the higher education system, but it can be a challenge with that work-life and study balance for many to stay. What recommendations address this? There's a few things around the way that we look at HEX. So there's some suggestions, not before time, that HEX is a more fairer system. Currently, we saw at the tail end of the Morrison government changes introduced that made humanities or arts students pay significantly more for their uh, degrees and, and winding up with debt that takes a lifetime to clear. The impost of debt, too, on women in particular, who, who may take time out of the workforce to raise children, etc., or for other reasons, that's incredibly difficult, especially in a housing crisis. Reforms to HEX will be important. It makes some pretty big 
big recommendations there. The other elements too are proposed a future fund. Some of those universities I mentioned that are making very large profits, this report reminds them that they're publicly funded institutions. It's not their game to be making profits. It suggests ploughing funds back into the system so that some of those equity targets can be reached within the time frame that the report spells out. Not unsurprising, the group of eight universities are dead against that. There has been support, but also opposition. Can you say anything about why there is such contention there? It's disappointing that the opposition has been about the funding for universities and there hasn't been an equal level of commentary around how we address the report's equity priorities. That says that the mindset is a little retrograde on the part of some of our larger institutions. If we are to hit that skills target that the report recommends, which is a pretty dramatic increase, why shouldn't those who have been excluded from university be at the front of the queue? And that's what the report asks. And we're not seeing enough commentary from some of those more profitable institutions about how we address that target. Instead, we're seeing them asking for money. The report highlights, I believe it's a 20% increase of the workforce undergoing tertiary education by 2050. Do you have any further comments regarding this, this figure? That increase is something that needs to occur if you think about the changing nature of the global economy. Australia did very well in the last few decades in particular, digging stuff up out of the ground. Iron ore, etc., has been one of those exports that has performed incredibly well as we tra- transition to clean energy. Australia needs to be part of the knowledge economy. It may seem as though it's an unattainable target. If we don't hit that target that the report recommends, then we do face declining living standards going forward. Education is Australia's largest services export, but we need to grow it. National Union of Students, the peak representative body of students in higher education, welcomes the report, but say it's not enough, falling short in recommending concrete changes to improve accessibility and fairness in the everyday realities of students. The way I spoke with NUS National President Nari Bogman. We were glad to see that a lot of the key issues that students had been crying out for, like placements, like HECS, were on the table overall. We found the report quite vague, quite non-committal. The real challenge now from our perspective is going to be watching the government and how they interpret real change out of these recommendations. How do you want to see those proposed changes actually transpire? Well, the NUS was involved with this process since day one. And what we're going to be pushing for is for the government to actually go further than a lot of these recommendations. Recommendation 14, which is around placement. The NUS calls for paid placements at a minimum wage rate. The recommendation only calls for financial support for placements, not for an actual wage, not for actual remunerations. We interpret financial support to mean a bursary or to mean something of that sort. We don't think it's good enough to give students a one-off payment. That's not the same as, as getting a wage. The report highlights a push towards equity. How do you see the role of education in addressing systemic disadvantage and inequality? Education from the NUS's perspective should be a right. It should be something that everybody, regardless of the background they come from, everybody is entitled to an education. I think we welcome a lot of other measures to promote equity as seen in the report. Of course, we have issues, this grouping of different subsections of the population together. Not enough has been done in this report to actually go through and think about the specific needs and specific differences between different diverse groups. Hopefully, we will see the government do that work between now and and when they commit to what they're going to action. Getting students to uni is only half of the battle. What the real issue is going to be is what supports are going to be there for students from low SES backgrounds, what supports are going to be there for students of colour, what supports are going to be there for queer and disabled students. Getting them there is good. It's keeping them there and it's supporting them to to finish their degrees. Your organisation has been calling for measures to help student poverty for some time. How do you think the report addressed this or further needs to address this. 
we were glad to see at least acknowledges that student poverty is is a major issue. There are 419,000 young people living in poverty in this country. The NUS has long heard from our members, from students, about how they're doing it tough, about how government income support isn't enough for them to live on. And in a lot of cases, students are having to reduce loads or, or even drop out to take up further work to make money. The report makes some recommendations around addressing this. We were quite shocked to see that the only material change they really call for is the raising of the parental income test roof. We don't think that goes far enough. Of course, any changes that look to address student poverty, that's that's excellent. What students actually need is for the rate of Commonwealth income support to be raised above the poverty line. We don't need the parental income test roof to be raised. We actually need the age of independence to be lowered. Do you have anything else that you want to see transpire in terms of education and supporting students in that journey? What we're hoping to see from here is is actually an ongoing commitment from government to treat students as the key stakeholders in the tertiary education sector that they are. Students have been excluded from the conversation around the tertiary education sector for years. We were really glad to have had a seat at the table, the Accords, but I think the challenge from here is going to be with the government interpreting, you know, what will actually happen out of the 47 recommendations made. And with all of these new governance bodies on the table, we want to see a student voice embedded in those decisions and student voice embedded in government. That was NUS National President Nari Boogeyman speaking with The Wire's Emma Wosk.